Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In this darkly comedic Odyssey Academy Award nominee, Rico Hikuchi stars as Kamiko, a frustrated office lady whose imagination transcends the confines of her mundane life. Kamiko becomes obsessed with a mysterious battered VHS tape of a popular film she mistakes for a documentary, fixating on a scene where the suit, uh, suitcase of stolen cash is buried in a desolate, frozen landscape of North Dakota. We are joined today by the co-writer and producer of this wonderful film called Kamiko, the Treasure Hunter. That would be Nathan Zellner. Nathan, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on. Thank you. By the way, I was just playing the, the end credit song. What a, what a <laughs> great song. Where did you find that? Who, who is that? Uh, it's, it's by this band. Uh, it's called, called Yamasuki. Uh, and it was just one of the, you know, David was searching on the Internet. And he, he you know, he and, and Josh uh, Lambert from the Octopus Project, they trade uh, the Octopus Project being the the um, the band that scored the film. Right. They, right. they they just as as friends trade a lot of music and found this kind of weird um, Japanese pop song. But it's a, it's actually the band uh, is from France <laughs> and okay. and uh, they, they just kind of wanted to make their version of uh, you know Japanese uh, Japanese pop and 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 apparently like the words are kind of gibberish, which uh, it, it just seemed like a fitting. Uh, you know, kind of uplifting songs to the end of the film that, that yeah. also didn't make much sense. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, it's beautiful. I love the song, and I, I just uh, was... I love your film, by the way, um, Kamiko the Treasure okay. Hunter. And you and your brother obviously worked on that. You co-wrote it. Where did this story come from? Are you, are you a fan? And I don't want to give too much away. Are you fan? You must be big fans of a particular American film upon which <laughs> a lot of this happens. But uh, well, what? tell me about how this story came to be. Sure. Um, I mean, way back in 2001, David and I, um, you know, uh, came across this kind of news blurb on message boards on the Internet. And this was, you know, before social media like we know it today with Facebook and Twitter, where everything kind of gets uh, instantly, you know, exposed and and dissected. And it was, uh, you know, a a news story of, of, of a a woman who went from Japan to Minnesota uh, looking for the lost treasure from this, this film. And, um, you know, we just, we were just so uh, obsessed with it, with, with it because it was just, it just seemed so surreal and, and strange that, that someone would kind of go on this, you know, like what we projected as onto it as a, a modern day treasure hunt, um, you know, and kind of, like like something you would see out of the age of exploration or, or with conquistadors or right. you know, conquering the new world, like somebody actually believing in a, in a mythical fortune so much so that they would leave uh, a comfortable you know setting and, and and travel to an unknown you know wilderness and and uh, you know the juxtaposition just naturally there with, between Japan and, and Minnesota was, yeah. was something we, we thought was fascinating too and. and so there wasn't a lot of information online about it. It was just it was just very brief, and and uh, but there was a lot of chatter on on message boards of people 
you know, back then, everything on the Internet was true. Right. So, um, <laughs> we just kind of took it as face value, but yeah. we couldn't find any other information. And, and not being, you know, journalists, uh, just being uh, storytellers, we just started uh, thinking what, because we couldn't find the information, we started making up what would propel somebody to, to kind of make this type of trek and, and, and voyage and what what kind of circumstances or, you know, what kind of person it, it, it would it was almost reverse engineering uh, because we knew where it was mm-hmm. going to end up. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of had to, you know, nothing was known about her in Japan and, and so forth. So we, we, we kind of did a lot of cultural uh, investigation and creative investigation on, you know, Japanese culture. And, and um, you know, we're from Texas, so we have a, a little bit of knowledge with with Midwest, but definitely nothing uh, as unique as Minnesota. Um but it, it just developed the story for for a couple of years and had a had a few drafts and then circled back onto the internet and saw that the 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 story had been debunked and it was just an urban legend. Um, there's some grains of truth, like there was a woman who who made the journey, but all the fantastical yeah. elements that that originally drew us to it were were false. It was you know kind of like this game, the telephone game, or 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 you know like folklore um, being being developed in real time, you know, on the internet. And so, um, you know, at first we were like, oh, we were taken aback that it, was, it wasn't it was true, but at the same time, it, it we liked it even more because there was so much conflicting information uh, out there that um, it was it was neat to see that, uh, you know, our script uh, was kind of like our version of the truth and, and our take on, on the legend as opposed to, you know, a... Yeah. A, a news piece or, or a biopic or something like that. Well, you know what they say, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, truly, this is constructed in a way, this is just, I, I love uh, the uh, the way that this story unfolds. And one of the things you touched on, sort of the, I would say, there's an element of Don Quixote thrown in with a little bit of Homer in the Iliad. Yeah. You know, there's, there's Homeric overtones to her her obsession uh, of going to um, Kamiko's obsession of going to um, the promised land, essentially what she what she envisions it to be, and um, she's a determined woman. I'm not quite certain how stable she is, <laughs> mentally stable, but uh, that again kind of gives it. That's what kind of gives this film um, a dramatic and comedic edge at the same time. I, I think. It, there's a lot of uh, scenes in this film uh, that cut both ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we like films, and and you know, we we like to to ride the line between humor and, and pathos, and and you know, for us, that 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 rings more truthful to how life is. Um, you know, there's there's always in the in the darkest times, there's always something that that is a little funny. Uh, you know, and 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 we like. We like movies that, that that feel like dramas, but they have moments of levity and, and uh, you know humor in there. Uh, as long as it's not at, at the expense of the characters, um, so that's so uh, we, we we wanted to approach this because there there's, there is a fantastical element to it with you know a mythical fortune and and someone on this quest. But since the movie is from her point of view, right. and 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 we're, we're kind of on this journey with her alone. Uh, we had to make sure that the the that 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 fantasy element, the the the, the part that she believes, is is kept intact, and that everything around her is is as 
natural and, and grounded uh, as possible. So, you know, we, we wanted to spend a lot of time with her in, in Tokyo, and, and the movie's split into two halves, basically. And uh, the first half, you're, you're kind of staying with her in, like, this, this, this cyclical uh, rut that she's, that she's living in, in Tokyo, and then she, she finally makes a, takes a plunge and, and kind of goes on, a, on, on the, the quest kind of starts, and she goes on the quest to Minnesota. Right. We're speaking with uh, Nathan Zellner. He's the co-writer and producer of the film Kamiko, the Treasure Hunter. I thought you were very fair to her as character. I, 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 it's easy to see why she feels embattled, kind of pressed in upon by the circumstances of her life, and why she would seek out something like this as a sort of a, you know, a way out. And um, you know, she has an overbearing, horrible demeaning boss at work and she's sort of ostracized at uh, at at her workplace her mother seems disappointed and and worse with her living in a very you know kind of a small little i mean you could see why okay she's you know she's trying to find something that will give her an inspiration and and she found this this battered vhs tape um yeah which in and of itself was kind of cool to see all the all the problems that she was having with that VHS is I remember very well all those problems yeah. being uh, you know very similar but uh now now working with the uh the actress who is terrific in this but then I I I know I butchered her name before uh Rinko Kikushi Rinko Kikuchi yeah. yeah we we know her from Babel and Pacific Rim and she was an Academy Award nominee for Babel. Um, well, tell me a little bit about working with her and working in these two different, very different locations in terms of the logistics, working in Japan, and then also, as you said, working in North Dakota, or Minnesota, was it actually? Yeah, uh, it was Minnesota. Yeah, so um, tell me a yeah, little bit about all, getting her involved and then, then the, that working. Yeah, we, we, so we had a, a first draft in, in 2002, and then, um, you know, we were, we were just starting out as filmmakers, so you know, obviously, it just took it took a while to get get off the ground. And when we wrote it, we didn't have anyone in mind. You know, we we had been to Japan once as tourists and, and really liked Tokyo, uh, but um, and, and you know, being cinephiles, we'd seen a lot of Japanese films, but didn't really have an actress or a particular person in mind. So we were kind of looking or, or waiting for uh, you know who who could fit that role and who could translate to uh, American audiences and, and, and work with, a, you know, an independent American film. And then uh, Battle came out, and, and uh, she's great in it. And um, we, uh, by chance, met her in 2008 and just had a really nice uh, lunch um, where we talked about similar movies and, and directors that we liked, and she got the tone that we were going for, the very specific tone. Uh, and, and, you know, after that meeting, we knew that she'd be great. And she, you know, the, the film, there's, um, you know, the, you're spending a lot of time alone with, with her and, uh, with Kamiko and you're kind of seeing her process things. And we didn't want to do like voiceover or, you know, have a internal monologue or something that, w- that would be so, Specific as to what was going on, we wanted you to kind of watch her think and 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 get the character from from you know her physicality and, and her movements and her facial expressions and that's um, one thing that Rinko excels at. She mm-hmm. 
she acts with her whole body and 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 you you get a sense of character by just watching her yeah as opposed as opposed to her dictating who she is and that was really essential for kind of like this quiet film so um yeah. it, it was it was it was a perfect match and and you know it was, it, it was a hard film to to coordinate um you know Rinko uh has big films that she does and 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 the, those kind of affect schedule and and this was not you know uh, a large budget film by any means um and and because like i said earlier we wanted this sort of grounded natural uh element to to it we we really needed to capture uh Tokyo um, and do like a non-tourist version of it and, and be as truthful and and, and uh, culturally sensitive to to Tokyo as it is. So um, we we figured out a way to s- split the production into essentially two halves and and just do all local crew in, in Tokyo and, and all local crew in, in Minnesota, mostly local, local in, in Minnesota. And um, just kind of rely on on, on the resources there uh, as a way to keep costs down. And there was only like I, like um, my brother, myself, our DP Sean Porter, and and uh, Chris Olson, our producing partner, were the only four that actually worked both both side both both uh, productions. And it turned into into making two movies back to back. So that was that was killer. But it was it was the only way to get it done. Um, and and uh, you know, when we were over in, in Japan, uh, we, we, we did a lot of research um, and lucked out and found a, a, an excellent production service company over there, right. and they were on board again with the tone that we were going for in the movie and, and really liked that we were kind of wanting this, this to capture this real version of, of Tokyo and, and, you know, shoot on the side streets and, and in the quiet neighborhoods and... and the, the places where people actually live instead of the busy business sections, which you, you normally see in, in a lot of Western films. And, um, you know, they, they were great about, uh, they were a really good sounding board for, uh, you know, cultural um, questions or, or translations. And, you know, the, the office lady culture, Kamiko works in, a, in an office, which is, uh, you know, where all the, all the women wear uniforms and, and, and they're a little subservient to, the men and and they're they're kind of like a secretary, but uh, it's 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 just a very unique yeah. um, environment, and and uh, it still exists. It's kind of dying out, but it still exists. And yeah. so we asked a lot of questions about those sorts of traditions and and and, and cultural things, and and uh, the relationship between um, you know um, uh, her mother and um, you know Kamiko being in her late twenties and not married and, and not moved on. There's a lot of societal pressures to be, you know, a certain way or conform, and, and that's what that's where those kind of characters and, and things kind of came from. And, and um, yeah, so we we, we, did, we did a lot of homework before we got there, and and and, and had a lot of questions, and and uh, it, it it had a lot of uh, good feedback from. From Japanese uh, people who have seen the film and and have been very complimentary about how uh, or, you know how accurate we were and, and very appreciative that it wasn't like this Hollywood version of Tokyo, like this future city that you normally see in most most Western films. Yeah, and then and then took the same approach in Minnesota. Um, really, you know, had to be there and, and 
in the dead of winter because we can't we couldn't afford you know snow machines and all that all that stuff. So we we had to take advantage of of the weather and, and the environment and you know um, because the, the the landscapes in in both Japan and, and Minnesota are, are characters in the film themselves and yeah. how uh, how she's kind of wandering through both of them. In the last couple minutes that we've got with you, uh, um, first of all, the film has received wide acclaim. Um, one of the things that uh, um, you were, the film was nominated for a Spirit Award uh, for Best Actress for Rinko and as well as for Best Director for um, your brother. And the the critical acclaim, obviously coming out from Sundance and other places, it's really sort of propelling this film along Um and I just want to let our listeners know that you, your brother, uh, it's got a, quite an array of people tonight at the New Art. Am I am I correct? What, what, who else is going to be there? Bobcat Goldwaith? Yeah, think? I think I, we've got uh, a slew of Q&As um, being moderated by some great people this, this weekend. Uh, David and uh, uh, Jay Duplass are, are going to do a... Jay Duplass is going to moderate tonight right. uh, with David at the New Art. And then um, I think... Uh, Bobcat is going to do one over the weekend, and and yeah, just a lot of. Uh, I'll I'll be flying. I'm in New York doing the opening here, but I'll I'll fly out there tomorrow and, and gotcha. do some Q and A's with David as well. Mary Elizabeth uh, Winston. Mary Elizabeth Winston as well. It's it's yeah. uh, You know, obviously, um, it, what a great what is a great happening to go. This is it's a as you said very. It's a quiet film. It's a deliberative, meditative film. Uh, the uh, the the acting is superb. Uh, I thought Rico was just wonderful in this. Um, really, you she carries the obviously she's uh, she's in every <laughs> frame. So it's you know it's critical that she be uh, who she is and as good an actress as she is. And you, it's a film that you really um, once you've watched it, you think about it. I, I've been thinking about it since I saw it uh, the other day, and will continue to think about it. There's a lot of things about it that. Um, you know, just it's why we like it's like we why we like film is is it it uh, makes us think about things in different ways and uh, I think you, did, you and your brother did a wonderful job. I know you 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 have a um, uh, I I look forward to your future work. You, there's a oh, there's you. there's a look to this cinematographer. I just want to also mention the cinematographer in here before we go. Wonderful. Um, who? What was the name of the cinematographer you used? Uh, Sean Sean Porter. Sean Porter, uh, just a cool, he's great. Yeah, great. Uh, he's, he did a great job with it. So, yeah, yeah, and and that's the that's the best compliment we can ask for because we, you know, it's a film where we try not to push a, a an agenda on you or or right. we just we just wanted we want the audience to leave thinking about it and and uh, to have a conversation about it and uh, you know so whenever we we hear that. And, and and have the opportunity to discuss it. You know, that's that's the thrill for us. Well, thank you, thank you for being here. I just want to say one last thing, and that is, your film reminds me a lot of the film that it it is some way. <laughs> it, it, it it has this, a lot of the same sort of uh, quality and craftsmanship that went into the film that uh, that Kumiko is seeking. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know if I could be more cryptic than that. But uh, Nathan Zelder, thank you so much for being here, uh, and I look forward. Truly, I look forward to your work uh, moving forward. I hope uh, the next project you can find some time to come back and join us on Film School. Oh, most definitely. Thanks for thanks for having me on, you, and, you, and uh, appreciate the support. You're welcome. You're welcome. Take care. All right. Bye. 
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.